Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A in Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Today's Old Testament lesson is from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, beginning the first one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, 
I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. The epistle lesson is from James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all who created. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. As is often the case in Mark's Gospel, his account of things is rather terse. It's brief. You might fill in a lot of other details from the other Gospels because what Mark tells us is just he wants to get to the main action. And uh, so you'll note that about the main action that occurs in today's reading, which is the temptation of Jesus, which will basically be dealt with in about a sentence. But the other thing to note about this reading is that uh, we in the church here kind of divide up the action a little bit. We will note that Jesus' temptation occurs immediately after his baptism, but in our church calendar, we uh, commemorate Jesus' baptism at the beginning of Epiphany. So uh, way back in the beginning of January, we uh, celebrated that event and then sort of talk about Jesus growing up in his ministry and more things. But here, properly, we hear the temptation of Jesus as it happens right after his baptism. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord.
A quick programming note that this week features the final sermon from Pastor Michael Hannell as associate pastor at St. Paul's. Due to its length, the message will fade out before the end. To hear his message in its entirety, please go to stpaulslutheran.net. We apologize for the inconvenience. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this week began uh, several weeks ago, actually, as I was trying to just sort of negotiate things and figure out what, what would be the appropriate timeline for my departure, when would it work out to, to leave, how to make that transition happen, and of course then, what would be my last weekend here? And uh, I, had, I had a few different ideas about it. I sort of thought it would be good to end last Sunday, to end on Transfiguration Sunday, on a high note, to be together there and to listen to our Heavenly Father as he points us to Jesus, to his Son alone, that we are to listen to him. Seemed really great, a, a nice way to end there on that mountaintop. And, but we realize that we don't stay on that mountaintop. The, the Lord sends the disciples. The Lord himself leaves that mountaintop and he goes to Holy Week. He goes to continue his ministry knowing exactly where it will end. So uh, I thought a little bit more and then the reality sort of set in that uh, I was actually scheduled to preach for Ash Wednesday and so if I wasn't here then that would have just been one more extra service Pastor Copen would be on the hook for. And uh, so then I looked at this Sunday's readings and thought, you know, actually, although it wasn't my first thought of when I should go, the, the readings were just too good. This would be a perfect time. The readings say everything that needs to be said. And uh, so I thought more, okay, I, I want to preach on that Old Testament reading from Genesis. So what, what would be the right way to kind of capture what's going on here? And I thought, you know... I think only one time, maybe a couple of times during my stay here, did I do like a, a dramatic monologue of a reading to like sort of be one of the characters of that reading and sort of tell the story from that point of view. And I thought, you know, this, this reading would be really good for it. It's a nice narrative and it might help expose a, a really good part of that story, what God's word would say to us. So I, I flew that idea by Pastor Copen, and he thought, you know, that, that actually would be a really great idea. In fact, there's two parts to that story. There, there's Abraham, but there's also Isaac. And so he said, why don't, why don't we do it together, and, and I'll be Abraham, and you can be Isaac. And I thought, ne never mind, I'll, I'll just do this by myself. It's actually not true, but it's funny. <laughs> The, uh, the bigger picture that I want to draw out from this passage, whether I do it in a dramatic monologue or just simply preach what the text is saying, is that I think it's easy to misunderstand this reading. I think it's easy to focus on one part of it, and it's really easy to see why it's easy to focus on that. It begins about how the Lord tested Abraham. 
And so I think it's easy for us to simply leave the story be like that, that it is a story of how God tests Abraham. It is a story all about human performance, about how one person either passes the test or fails that test. And there's a part of the story that's, that's definitely about that. I can't deny that. But when we only focus on that, I think we miss the bigger part of that reading. Something that is there just dripping throughout the reading. And it's the part that I think is the best part. And if we miss this part, we will not even understand what that test was all about. The part that I'm talking about is how this passage simply exudes God's grace. It is just packed with it. And so as we sang that opening hymn, By Grace I'm Saved, that sort of set the stage for how we need to understand that reading. It's all about God's grace. And in fact, I can sum it up in the words of the passage itself. It's all about how the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. That's all about God's grace. It's all about what he will do, not about what he owes us, but what he does out of his grace, out of his sheer love and mercy. The Lord will provide. But what does he provide? The first thing that the Lord will provide is something that you only get if you understand the greater story of Abraham. If you know that Abraham's story doesn't begin here in Genesis 22, but it begins 10 chapters earlier in Genesis 12, when Abraham is living in the land of his family in Mesopotamia, far away from the land of Canaan, where the Lord will take him. But God comes to him and says, Abraham... Leave the land of your fathers. Leave this land in which you are comfortable. Leave this land that you are settled in, this land that you have called your home, and follow me. Go to the place that I will lead you. And Abraham, if you go, I will bless you. You're going to be a great nation. Everybody who blesses you, I will bless Everyone who curses you, I will curse. And the whole world will be blessed, will be blessed through you and through your family, Abraham. So come on, let's go. That wonderful promise that God gave to Abraham. And Abraham left. Abraham listened to the Lord. He believed that promise, and he left his home. He left that place of comfort. He left that land that he knew to go where? He didn't know. He didn't know where the Lord was leading him, but he knew the Lord would lead him. And so he went, and the Lord led him to that land of Canaan. The Lord promised Abraham many things. Not just in Genesis 12, but the Lord would go on to confirm that promise, to, to fill out more of the details. Again, in Genesis 15, as the Lord is talking about making Abraham a, a great nation, Abraham's a little bit confused because right now it's just him and his wife, and they have no children, and they're way past that age 
of having kids of their own. But God says, Abraham, it's from you that I will make a great nation. I will give you a son. And Abraham and Sarah still don't understand how that's possible. So they, they work out their own thing. Abraham goes to Hagar, his maidservant, and, and they have a child together. But that's not what the Lord was planning. The Lord promised that he and Sarah would have a son and so they do. Isaac is their son, their child, the child of this promise, the child of God's grace. And it's all part of that bigger promise, the bigger promise that God made to Abraham, that through his offspring, he would be a blessing. But actually, that promise, that promise to Abraham was not a promise that was made up on the spot there. It was a promise that went back even earlier. Genesis 3.15 speaks of the promise that I'm talking about. The promise that was made to Adam and to Eve. That one day her offspring would overcome Satan. Would defeat that enemy, that liar. The one that had brought Adam and Eve into disobedience that had brought sin and death to the whole world, that one day a deliverer, a savior would come. That was the promise that was given to Abraham. That was the promise that was renewed and redefined, that was narrowed upon. That promise the Lord still intended to keep, and he would keep it through Abraham and through his family. See, the Lord would provide a promise, and he did so. He did so to Abraham, he did so to Isaac, but he does the same for you and for me. The Lord will provide a promise to all of us, and he has. He has made us his dear children. There at the waters of baptism, God has washed us clean. He has adopted us into his family. He has said of each of us, you are my beloved child. You are my son and my daughter. You are a child of that promise. Your sins are forgiven and you are given the gifts of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God's love, the gift of everlasting life. The Lord has given us wonderful promises and he says that he will lead us into that kingdom into that everlasting kingdom. But in the meantime, he walks with us through this life. He will never leave nor abandon you. He will lead and guide you through this life. Come what may, the Lord is with you. God's promises to you are good, and they are true. The Lord who says that he has begun this great work in you, he has also said that he will complete it. He will bring it to fullness to the day of Jesus Christ, to the day when he returns. The Lord has made wonderful promises. He has provided you with those promises, and he will follow through on them. When Abraham heard the great promise of God, there was little he could do other than 
believe them. And he calls you and me to do the same. To know that God is trustworthy. To know that what he says is true. Yes, it might sound too good to be true, but it is true. That promise is for you and for your children. We can count on it. The Lord has provided. But the story becomes a little bit more complicated. In our story, the Lord has not just provided a promise. The Lord will also provide a test. A test. Here's where things start to get dicey. Because while we're all 100% behind the fact that the Lord will give a promise and has given a promise to each of us, a test is not what we asked for. That we would be put in a time of trial, a time when it may not seem like the Lord is with us. When even though he says that he will never abandon us or forsake us, we might feel abandoned. We might feel forsaken. Abraham here is put to the test. And it is important to see that even though in this particular instance he does pass the test, if you read through the account of all of Abraham's life, you would know he doesn't always pass the test. In fact, more often than not, Abraham failed the test. When the Lord brought him to that land, there was a famine at that time. And so even though the Lord had brought him to that land, what does Abraham do? He leaves the land. And instead, he goes to Egypt. And when he goes to Egypt, he lies. He lies about who Sarah is. He doesn't want to say that Sarah is his wife because he's afraid that he will lose her. So instead, he says that, he, that she is his sister. And he'll do that again. And every time he does it, bad things happen. It's like he doesn't trust the Lord. That he doesn't trust the Lord completely. That he thinks that he has to take matters into his own hands. That the Lord brought him this far, but it's Abraham's job to just, you know, get across the finish line. Abraham doesn't always get it. He doesn't always pass the test. And that's important for you and me to know, because when we are put to the test... We're not always going to pass it, are we? In fact, you can look back in your own life, probably, and find numerous instances where you didn't pass the test, where you made the wrong decisions, where you started to give up hope, where you started to believe the worst about yourself or the worst about others. We don't always pass the test. But it's important to know that Abraham didn't pass all of the tests, and yet the Lord kept his promises. The Lord kept coming back to Abraham. The Lord kept giving him more opportunities and more chances to make up for those mistakes, to make up for those failures. And he does the same for you and for me. See, the Lord will put you to the test, and if you fail that test. Don't think that means that the Lord has consigned you to go to a bad place. To think that all is lost, that because you have failed the Lord, he has failed you, he has given up on you. Because that couldn't be further from the truth. 
because our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God who knows who we are, who knows that we are sinful people, who knows that we are weak, who knows that we often listen to our sinful flesh, to the world, to that liar, the devil. The Lord knows that we fail, but he won't stop giving us tests. He gives us those tests not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. He gives us those tests, those trials, so that we have an opportunity to cling to him, to him alone. Because the temptation in this world is to drift away from the Lord, to depend on our own self-sufficiency, depend on other people. And he wants us to know that we can count on him. He's the one that will get us through. Testing, it's not easy. But our Lord does it. He does it out of love. Yes, the Lord leads us beside those still waters. He leads us into those green pastures. But let's not cherry-pick verses. That psalm also talks about how he will lead us to the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord will do that. He will lead you there, to those dark places, to those dark times. And we may think, wait a second, we've taken a wrong direction. This isn't the mountaintop that I was looking for. This is the valley. But make no mistake, the Lord knows what he's doing. He's leading you to that place. But he hasn't abandoned you. He's with you. He's with you, and he promises that he will never leave you. He's with you, and he leads you there. He's the one who goes ahead of you there, so that you will never be alone. But what's more, he is the one who has already gone there for you, and he knows the way through. He knows the way out of that dark place, and that's why he leads you there, so that he can lead you through it, so he can lead you out of it. But you don't get out of it if you don't cling to him, if you don't follow him closely, because otherwise in the darkness you will get lost, and you will feel alone, even though you are not alone. In that time of testing, we might wonder why. A lot of people have problems with this passage in the Bible, Genesis 22. They don't think that this fits. How could it? That the Lord would say to Abraham that he should sacrifice his son, that he should murder him. When our God is not the God of death, he is the God of life. This is so contrary to who God is. He would not possibly do something like this. And you have to think that Abraham had to have been going through those same scenarios in his own mind, that this didn't make sense, that this was against everything that he thought he knew about who God was. But nevertheless, he knew in those times when he didn't listen to the Lord, it didn't go well. So he had to listen. He had to follow, even if he didn't understand the why, even if he didn't understand the what. And it was a tragic situation to sacrifice his son. 
which is unconscionable to any parent out there, but even more so for Abraham. Isaac was his only son. He didn't have another son. He wouldn't have the chance to have another son. Isaac was a gift. God's grace was seen in Isaac. But now God was asking for that gift back. How could Abraham do that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you.